and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Chelsea exit the Champions League at the semi-final stage for the third time in their history, but with a more than credible performance at Camp Nou, which certainly had Barcelona feeling a little bit nervous, I think. Um, I'm here recording this two days after the match. There's been a bit of time for the dust to settle, time to gather our thoughts and feelings. Um, and so to talk through everything from Thursday night, I am joined by Abdullah Abdullah and Yash Thakur. I think generally everyone is, whether a Chelsea fan or not, everyone on this Zoom is in a the place of being like, it was a good performance from Chelsea, even if it wasn't enough to get it over the line, Abdullah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we would literally, I think we, we were supposed to spend a minute and we spent about 10 minutes uh, before recording about the game. But no, I, I definitely feel like it was a more than credible performance. I, I really felt like Chelsea asserted themselves well. And for once, I can say this season that again, in a big game, that Chelsea got the tactics, I think, spot on. And it's just, it's annoying to come away with having lost the tie. Um, but yeah, really good performance. Um, you know, we'll get into the intricacies soon. But yeah, I I think I think a credible performance, one that I think Chelsea can look back on and go, okay, you know, this is this is something we can we can look back on and we can build on it in these big, big games. Um and so, and then I think again, another thing is I think in the light of the injuries, the players that stepped in, they stepped up real big. So yeah, really, really, really happy overall, I think, with the performance after now the you know, two days after the game. Yeah, Yash, it's a it's a funny situation, isn't it, to be in? Because obviously no one goes away from the Champions League feeling, like, pleased, <laughs> even if you think you played well. But, um, you know, you're a Madrid fan, you watch a lot of Liga FA, you watch a lot of Barcelona. You've got to kind of take these these level of games with a pinch of salt, right, in terms of the expectations, not only in, in Barcelona's ability, but also uh, ha- the atmosphere of Camp Nou and, and what it's like to go and play there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we all know Barcelona is a super team. Like, they can beat you. They have multiple tools to beat you in a game and they can attack you and come at you in multiple ways. So, when you're playing such a knockout tie I don't think it's necessary for you to be more fixated on being the better team over the 180 period mark because you know it's not always the team that is better over or, or the more controlling over 180 period uh, timeline that gets through you know you have to be decisive and you have to pick your moments and I think Chelsea set up in a way that allowed them to do so to you know pick their moments pick their battles yes at the end it was not enough to put them over the line but I think it was a sound game plan and it worked for 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 a lot of the times it worked for, for the majority of the time so I know the consensus about getting knocked out is not a, the fan base isn't always happy about it uh, but this was a much better performance than we have seen from Chelsea in those big games so far so yeah I mean I think it's it's a good uh, foundation to be worked on moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And it's something I want to talk about a little bit later in the episode is maybe why we've seen a higher level of performance from Chelsea in the Champions League than than maybe we have domestically and how we potentially reach a world where we don't pick between one or the other like we seem to do at the moment every season. But yeah, obviously we're talking about the 1-1 draw which uh, between Barcelona and Chelsea at Camp Nou. So Chelsea losing 2-1 on aggregate after losing that first leg 1-0. Caroline Graham Hansen, who else scored in the 63rd minute? Chelsea had an immediate response in the 67th minute through Guru Wrighton. Um, a real, actually, both of these ties was just a real Norwegian feast of talent, really. I think Norway was the real uh, winner from all of these games. Um, Asif Byrne t- tweeting, Chelsea have become the first side in over four years, 80 games, to earn a draw away to Barcelona, which tells us uh, quite a lot, I think, about the uniqueness uh, in terms of what Chelsea were able to go and do. Um, And I think, again, maybe in a bit we'll talk about whether the game was potentially lost at Stamford Bridge. Um, I mean, obviously it was literally lost at Stamford Bridge, but, you know, (laughs) mentally lost as well there. Um, Let's quickly talk through the teams then, Abdullah. A couple of changes for Barcelona. Let's start there. So Mariona Caldente came in for Salma Paruelo. Uh, Marta Torrejon came in for the injured Lucy Bronze with Oshwala starting instead of JC. 
Um, Mariona, I think, was was probably one we expected um, in terms of of Chelsea having to face up to. I thought when she came on at Stamford Bridge, she was immense. Um, and I thought in this game, like I really enjoy watching her play. I think the way she picks up space is fascinating. The problem she poses for teams on a defensive basis, you know, in terms of how you follow her, there were points when Carter and Perisate were like holding their line, holding the space, and Mariona's just like they became like two wasted players because Mariona's like off, just like doing her thing. But what did you kind of make of Barcelona making these these their own? shifts basically some enforced obviously because of the injury but also some tactical yeah no i think um i think i think that i think that's partly due to a reaction from the first leg and i, I know that barcelona won and, and it's it seemed a little bit more comfortable for them in the second half of the first leg but i really felt like johnson Gerald is i think he saw the way chelsea was set up in that first game and i think he realized that the way chelsea were defending and and, and their compact shape of almost like a a 5-3-2 off the ball in defending and maybe almost like a 3-3 structure in midfield, you know, when they were when they were defending a bit higher. I felt like he needed more legs in there. He wanted basically to try and overload Chelsea because the midfield three of Chelsea had energy and they were just holding their line in, in Cuthbert and Leupold and then obviously in this game, Fleming and the last game was Kankovic. Um, and I think between Bonmati Guijaro and, and, and Kira Walsh, Kira Walsh isn't going to be one to pressure, pressure. She's going to sit back, sit base. So essentially you're playing with Bon Mati and Guijaro a little bit higher up. It almost became a 3v2 for Barcelona, which was a problem for them. They, did, they didn't have the extra midfielder in there because both JC and Selma will play on the line, trying running in behind as will Caroline Graham Hansen, almost like her own player. And so the, for me, I felt like Barcelona's midfield and attack were almost split and in, in, in usually when they're a little bit more com- you know tied together. And I think... The fact that I think I think Mariona was probably injured in the last game, not fit enough to start a full 90. And that change, I think, came in to kind of help that overload and trying to bring that third, maybe even fourth play into midfield that she drops inside. And, you know, you re- referenced Carter and Paris not being able to be too sure. And you're going to kind of create that space for Rolfo to kind of essentially take that entire left flank and run it down the wing. So I, I felt like that change was a result of both her being fit, but also the way Chelsea were playing. I think it's a bit of both. Um, Torrejon, you know, coming in for, for Lucy Bronze, not much they can do over there. I don't think they really have any other player that can play in that right back position. So, and anyway, Bronze was playing pretty much a, you know, central midfielder, third center back role with the odd foray down the right hand side, but Torreon was was pretty much holding. And I think Oshawala was interesting um, because I felt like Chelsea, while JC did cause problems in that first leg, I felt like Oshawala is the perfect player to run in behind because I think not that she has pace. But I think she's got a little bit of strength to hold off against the the centre backs, and I feel like Jess Carter was so good in the in the one v one battles in the last game that I felt like that was also a direct reference to okay, we need some more strength. And while Salma did it, I thought JC was still a little bit weak off the uh, 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 went on the ball in those offense, uh, offensive duels. So I think all the changes that Barcelona made was yes, down to rotation in terms of they wanted some fit players in and 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 from from injury but i also felt like chelsea caused them problems enough in their first leg for them to say all right we need to make a tactical switch to try and counteract this 5-3-2 because i don't think they faced this before and uh yeah i thought chelsea really held out their composure and structure really well yeah it, it was interesting yash and, and chelsea obviously they made one personnel change but they also switched some things around too the personnel change was obviously Fleming coming in to start instead of Chankovic. But as well as that, they reshuffled the back three to play Magda as the left-sided centre-back um, and Carter as the right-sided one with Mielda then in the middle. Um, what did you make particularly of, of Fleming in coming into that that midfield ahead of Chankovic? I think with, with Fleming, what changes it? Fleming is great at pressing and we saw that as a pressing 10 we saw what Fleming was contributing in in the first half especially uh Chelsea when they came out in 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 the camp now you have to also account for the fact that a they were behind and b they were playing away in front of 70,000 fans so the idea was to not immediately fall back in the game uh, that was what I thought when I saw the lineup. Okay, so Chankovic is out, a player who can play those piercing balls up front or be that spark of creativity from the midfield has been taken off for a more uh, 
you know, a player who can contribute more defensively. We know Chankovic has some limitations there. Uh, and Fleming delivered on that front. Fleming came in. She was great at what Chelsea were trying to do with forcing Barcelona to one side of the pitch uh, with their midfielders. And it helped a lot with providing that lateral coverage that Chelsea needed from their midfielders, especially because when you're playing a, a sort of 5-3-2 system against the ball, and you are playing against Barcelona, they can move the ball around pretty easily. But what you have to do is you have to either a like go whenever the ball uh, go full charge whenever the ball is on one side. Else they will try to shift the ball through and switch switch of play, and that will happen if you if you are not quick enough to cover the ground laterally. And it happened on a couple of occasions where uh, Barcelona were able to move the ball from one side to the other. But when Chelsea were able to manage to bar, uh, get Barcelona on one side near the touchline, Fleming was always on it. Like, if you can see her pressing, you can see her closing down the immediate back pass option that would allow the switch of play. You can see her forcing an issue and not allowing time on the ball for Barcelona's midfielders and, and the back line of uh, Mapi Leon, usually uh, offering as a as a option to receive back and then switch. So, I, I think like the Fleming change was necessary and it worked well i think at at one point of time when chelsea were like okay now we have to step up because we are actually trailing in the game i think that was the moment where they had to like quickly switch to jelena chankovic because after a point chelsea were able to contain uh, barcelona for for most parts they were able to not give them many dangerous opportunities they were able to get in the way of their shots and everything and they were able to restrict them from getting shots from from uh, from range, not from uh, not from inside the box or very threatening area. So that was a success. But now they needed somebody who can play that final ball when when you regain it in in the middle of the field. And with that part, I think the role that uh, Fleming was assigned, or the difference between Fleming and Chankovic, would have made a difference. Maybe if if a quicker switch was made between them. But yeah, I mean, I think Fleming had had a good performance. She put in a real shift. Uh, I I really enjoyed her performance. And I think that is what Jesse Fleming can can bring on to the pitch. Yeah, she can do more with the ball as well. But in this game, the responsibilities were more against the ball, what she can provide than what she could provide on the ball. So I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, about just a comment about Barcelona. Like if you watch the goal that they scored, Mariona is the one that takes the first touch, takes out two players with her first touch, and then it's Aitana running into free space. And Mariona is taking that touch at halfway line on the right-hand side. She is designated as the left winger. So if even if you look at her touch map, or it's all over the pitch. And that's just who she is. She won't stay in one position. She would constantly move around. There were times where both CGH and Mariona were on the same side, on the right-hand side. So it's it's just ridiculous the amount of fluidity that she adds and that was a key thing that uh, as Abdullah mentioned as well they wanted to have an extra body in the midfield uh, as well because when they are trying to play with Walsh not pushing as high up you have Aitana and uh, Patri there so if, if you get one more player in there you will essentially get a pl- free player in the, in the midfield with, with Mariona with the way she operates uh, so yeah I think that that change was pretty much looking at what happened in the previous leg. And I think Mariona delivered as well because that goal wouldn't have been possible if Mariona's touch didn't take out two players and offered all that sort of free space for Aitana to run into. Yeah, I thought, I, I know Aitana and CGH got a lot of deserved plaudits after this game, but yeah, I thought Mariona was, was really fantastic. Um, Let's look at some of the stats here then. So Barcelona, 14 shots to Chelsea's five. Two on target for them, three for us, 55 to 45% possession, seven fouls each, two yellow cards for us, zero for them, seven corners for them, one for us, two offsides for them, three for us. XG of 1.1 for Barcelona, 0.6 for us. Abdullah, I feel like there's a couple of things here. I think, one, you can see how much Chelsea were able to sort of raise the levels slash go for it a bit more in this game off the kind of possession, pass accuracy. They were much, much improved compared to Stamford Bridge. And also, you know, how much Chelsea were able to contain Barcelona. Like, just for example, 
That was the fewest shots on target for Barcelona all season, fewest shots for them all season. Um, it's their, the second lowest XG conceded. Uh, the, the the lowest that, that's been conceded against them was us at Stamford Bridge. And the XG of 2.1 across two games is lower than all but four single game XGs for Barcelona this season. So obviously defensively, the those numbers kind of tell you what Chelsea were able to do, but ultimately the balance couldn't quite be found to get the extra bit of attacking impetus that was needed on top of that defensive level. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the next step of the evolution, right? In terms of the, the tactical switch, where I think they've managed to find the defensive balance of how they need to defend against a possession possession dominant team such as Barcelona. And the fact that, you know, the numbers that you just mentioned kind of speak for at least number of shots on target, fewer shots in general, a, a much closer possession stat and possession ratio, 55 to 45, uh, lo, you know, lowest XG, you know, in those four single games. And so I, I think I think all of that from a defensive standpoint, I think is great. I think what needs to happen now is, is just finding that balance of whether it's reach getting in different personnel or 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 changing it up but i think finding those one or two players that can slot in and do a similar defensive job but also give enough going forward because i think it's clear that guro and sam are really good output outputs for for chelsea in terms of the outball you give them the ball they can make things happen in the final third of it guru scored the goal sam had her chances as well um and and we know that that's there and i think that third attacking spot, or whether it's the third attacker, which is probably where the midfield comes in, or whether it's getting a, a, a much well-rounded fullback that can that can attack as well as defend, which I know is rare. Ashley Lawrence, I'm looking at you if you're coming in on a free. Uh, <laughs> um, if you if you have someone like that who can play on one side, and you you know you've got an F Parise or a Jess Car- or Jess Carter on the other side, uh, or a Neve Charles, then you maybe can have one extra player to kind of push forward and give you that out ball because whether you're getting your creativity from a midfielder or from a fullback or a wingback there needs to be that third player to be able to be as creative and I think Frank Kirby and Penela Harder if they were fit I think it's a different story it's a different game because you you maybe not play and I'm just literally I'm just theorizing here if you don't play Leupolz, for example, maybe you throw in a Kirby or you throw in uh, a Penela Harder in there and you you just basically ask Fleming and Cuthbert and then you have the five defenders at the back saying, just you guys just defend. You just literally defend and you let... Because then at least if you have someone who's so creative in midfield who can then kind of let you go loose and kind of give you the out ball, give you those two balls into, into the final third accurately... It kind of changes the amount of attacking impetus you can have. Maybe you won't have 20 different opportunities, but instead of having maybe three, you might have five. And those two extra might just be the opportunity you need and, and the quality needed to, to get through. So I think finding that balance within the squad, adding in players, I think needs to come in. Um, there's still a few things I would personally look to change next season just to kind of get this on, on the pers- basis of the personnel that we have. But overall, I think... Um, you know, there was there was there was definitely there something there to say that okay, at the end of the day, I think Barcelona are invincible because people say they're invincible. I actually think that the basis of the way Leon played them last year and the way that Chelsea have performed this year, and even what Wolfsburg did last year, and to an extent even what Real Madrid did last year, and what they've do, what they've done in certain points again, I think Barcelona are just so consistent in being able to 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 kind of take in the pressure that if teams can just do it a little bit longer and maybe not be as, you start to play this way, but not maybe be as pressured by the way Barcelona play, I think there is a way to beat Barcelona a little bit more easy than the way they show. I still think they're a fantastic team and their level is maybe 10 times or five, five, six times higher than a lot of teams in in the thing. But there is a weakness there. It's just exploiting it on a more consistent basis. Leon did it, you know, last season but just to be able to do that on a regular basis from other teams I think will take a little bit of time but it is there there is a way to beat them well I think it's like also with any elite team yeah the 
their eliteness always initially arises from the fact that they're kind of doing something that that hasn't been done before. And I think certainly within the women's game, the kind of technical and tactical quality that Barcelona have have shown over the past couple of seasons has you know far outstripped uh, what's existed before. But equally, over time, as people play you, they'll find different ways to to get around that. Um, and and you know things will change over time. And and it's also you know I guess maybe important to not asterisk because Chelsea were missing lots of good players too. But uh, it is still a Barcelona without. Alexia Puteas, which uh, always helps a tiny bit. But we will take a quick ad break here. Thank you, Jess, for supporting the show. We will come back and we'll get into the the actual game after this. So, Yash, I feel like this match took a similar start to the first leg in that there was like two minutes where Chelsea were like, really going for it that was me like doing air punches for people who are listening rather than looking at me on zoom um and then it was like very much Barcelona coming on strong Chelsea struggling to get a handle on it but riding the storm just enough there was an offside goal for Barcelona in this period uh before they could really settle into the game is part of the key as to why Chelsea were maybe able to stay in the game for across the two legs, that, that they were able to deal with the initial Barcelona storm, as it were. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think whenever you are playing Barcelona, or I think this goes on for any sort of big knockout tie for any teams, if a team goes into a game expecting that, okay, we are going to dominate the entire 180-period uh, game over the two legs, I don't think that's uh, that's a good option. You have to like conserve your energy. You have to pick your moments. Yes, Chelsea knew they were trailing, but going at it from minute one when everything is, you know, Barcelona are fresher, Barcelona and giving up space, more, most importantly, giving up space would have ended this tie inside 20 minutes. So just picking that battle about, okay, we are going to see out this initial wave of attack that Barcelona is going to throw. Because at some point, they'll have to slow down a bit. You can't keep going at it, at it for 90 minutes. And that is the moment where you have to like go for it and try to hurt Barcelona in ways that everyone knows is possible. They're, everyone knows there is space behind Rolfo to attack. Everyone knows that the fullback is the one place where you can you know, attack the space where Barcelona give, gives up a lot of space by pushing them forward. But the execution is what matters. Like, you have to be really efficient because you're not going to get many chances because, number one, you're not going to get as much of the ball in good areas as as you would like to have. So, that is what I think Chelsea was trying to do. And Barcelona came at them. Like, initially, if you, if you look at them, before the midfield started to properly function and properly uh, block them out on one side whenever they were getting the ball. Barcelona were able to create that 1v1 uh, on the right-hand side with CGH uh, pretty easily initially. And I think uh, the first goal that was ruled out for a handball or offside, uh, I'm not sure, uh, was was a result of that. They were easily finding CGH on the right-hand side with a switch from, from the left, with an easy switch of play because they would just play the ball back and then to the other side. And now Chelsea had a lot of ground to cover. But soon as the, as the game went on, especially after like 15, 20 minutes, Chelsea like upped the intensity and blocked them out towards one side. As soon as Barcelona went towards the left, they made sure that they were aggressive enough to not allow that back pass and the switch off play. And slowly uh, into the game, like if you look at the game from 20, 20th minute mark to the to the second quarter in the first half, if you if you want to say that, I think uh, Barcelona found it a bit difficult to switch the ball, and that is when you saw a lot of Mariona's movements. Mariona going to the other side to offer that uh, to offer a extra body in midfield or an extra passing option to make that switch happen. Because Chelsea then started to become more aggressive and trying to force Barcelona and keep them on one side because that is the key when you are playing with with a 5-3-2 sort of formation, there is a lot of workload on the midfield to, you know, constantly ask them to switch from one side to the other. It's not possible even for an for three Aaron Cuthbert's to be able to do that. Okay, maybe it's possible for three Aaron Cuthbert's, but 
realistically it's not it's not possible for a player uh, for three players to be covering that much space laterally especially when the two forwards that you have you need them up up front as an outlet as well so they can't be doing dropping back and doing a lot of defensive work because then when you regain the ball you have nobody to play the ball to throw forward so i think uh it it was it was a sound game plan like i said before and it barcelona did find it difficult as the game went on and you could sense a little bit a sense of uh nervousness or a, a, a little hint of nerves in them as the second half began because they they figured that now we are not able to like find that out ball to carlen graham hansen because if you get carlen graham hansen in a 1v1 situation that's a chance created for you so if you're not able to do that then you have to find a way to either play some intricate ball or some some way or a 1v1 player to just weave her way through and barcelona did not have that as much or chelsea were aggressive enough to like deny them that so i think it was a good uh, good strategy and it worked initially yes barcelona came out all guns blazing and it looked like okay this might be chelsea defending for the entire 90 minutes but it wasn't the case uh, as the game went on because chelsea upped the intensity and uh, it it limited barcelona's options a lot i think so yeah yeah uh definitely i think that's a, a very fair assessment of the game in terms of what chelsea were kind of trying to do in possession abdullah there were a couple of interesting things that i think sort of helped them get get into the game a bit more and, and potentially give them more control than maybe we saw chelsea have at stamford bridge even though i felt like they defended well against stamford bridge i still felt like it was a lot of waves at Barcelona attacks. I think what we saw kind of after the first 20 minutes here was Chelsea have a much more considered plan in possession. Um, lots of that I do think came from Magda Eriksson being in that left-sided centre-back role. There were definitely some nervy Caroline Graham Hansen 1v1 moments there, but we did get away with them. Uh, it really felt like Eriksson was kind of running through treacle when she was trying to defend against her. Uh, but uh, Statsbomb put out a, a kind of pass map which showed Ericsson having the, the highest on-ball value of of any outfield Chelsea player that, that basically simply means in terms of like her passes uh, created like more attacking threat um, than, than others. Uh, the other interesting thing that I thought helped a lot was Marin began stepping out of the back three when Chelsea had the ball into midfield almost like the opposite of when a holding midfielder might drop into a back four and to make a back three. And this kind of allowed Chelsea in a sort of unique way to to play a back four in possession, um, but not in the way that normally you might see a team playing a back three out of possession do that and move the wing back round, as it were. Um, what did you kind of make of, of Chelsea's attempts to to play with the ball? Yeah, no, I, I found that super interesting as well. Like they did the inverse of a of, of a of a six dropping into to, to a three. You know, um, it's it's. I think to me that was a super interesting move and, and definitely one that I felt like, you know, the one that um, Emma Hayes I think is has thought of. I think you were right. I think Magda Eriksson for me has definitely been the one to to, to have the biggest. Co- change and and I think the one that started because we've always seen her playing on the left side of a defense whether it's a three or a four and you know maybe not last season or this season maybe not this season but last season and the seasons before prior it was play always started through Magda on the left it was always give to get the ball to Magda out of out of possession from the goalkeeper and let her be the one to either play those longer diagonals or play them into midfield or play them through through the lines and that's her biggest strength if there's anything you want from Magda Eriksson is Yes, she's decent in 1v1s and she knows how to defend a little bit of space while she doesn't have the pace uh, and she needs that around her. But you give her the ball in possession, she's one of the better, best, you know, ball-playing centre-backs that, that we've seen. And I think the fact that Marin moved to the middle was, I think, Emma Hayes' way of saying, okay, we want to be a little bit more... Because I think they they were almost forced into it. They're a goal behind and they can't sit forever. They needed some more ideas on the ball. And I think... Jesse Fleming's inclusion and moving Magda out to the left, I think, was was correlated directly. Moving Fleming inside allows you to have an extra player deeper rather than a Kankovic who can start deep but is definitely better 
uh, going forward in the 10. Fleming can, will do that, but Fleming is a lot more of a pressing midfield, a lot more energy, a lot more legs added in there. And so you almost are helping protect Magda by having Marin push up and Fleming maybe coming across and everybody kind of shifts that way. So you're not shifting the wing backs across. You're almost maybe shifting your second line across this way and kind of protecting Magda from the front rather than Magda around her. If you, I don't know. People are not going to see it because I'm making hand gestures on Zoom, but <laughs> I hope it makes some sense. Um, and I think when the ball went there, it was just a lot more freedom for her to play. And I definitely think that that midfield three was a direct correlation of allowing the backline to have a little bit more uh, in possession ideas and, and something to allow them to push forward because I think we looked at it here I don't think Neve Charles or Eve Perisay were I thought they were better than they were at Stamford Bridge in terms of their the way they were playing the way they defended the way they were positioned a little bit better than they were then and I think again that's because of the way the midfield was set up and that was also the way that Chelsea were building up on the back. I love the fact that Marin stepped in because then it gave it, that was almost the counter to Mariona coming inside. So it became a 4v4 in some in some scenarios, right? Rather than Barcelona trying to do the 4v3, Chelsea were like, all right, if you're gonna do that, we'll just push one of our center backs up, play a back four when we're there. And so we have the extra player to push up and we have the protection and, and all that. So I, I found it very, very in- interesting and I think both managers after the game came out and said that we were the better side. One was like, I think Geraldus was saying, what are they talking about? And Hayes was like, yeah, we were the better team and they were going back and forth. But it's so interesting to see how both managers see it a different way. And one last thing on, on this pass one, because I find, find this fascinating. You can sell so much from this. Look at the way Barcelona was set up. There's so much space between them. The fact that each player had to spread out to, to try and find the space to Chelsea, a little bit more compact lines, was, I think, another reason for them to go and say, okay, we need to figure something out. And you can see Mariona was the, the best player in possession, just about, with Patria and Mapi. And the fact that Barcelona have one, two, three, five players in their defensive half for the most part, I think was telling what they were trying to push with four and and they were all spaced out. Chelsea, I think, did a, such a good job being so compact, yet being able to spread out when they needed to in possession and play it out, I thought was, was really, really good. But um, Barcelona are going to Barcelona. They're 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 amazing for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you know in terms of Barcelona's shape, but and I think we saw this in the first leg. You know the way Mappy sat sat back. Um, I say sat back. She played where a normal centre back would play, but normally Mappy does not play like that. I think said a lot also to how Barcelona assessed Chelsea's sort of threat in terms of that front two of of Kerr and Guru, and I actually think that's something that. Barcelona really improved on in in this leg was uh, how Irena Paredes was able to close down Kerr a lot more uh, in terms of her being able to get headers on the ball, which is maybe why, Yash, we didn't really see so much of this, you know, long ball to Sam to flick on to Guru. But there was still this, the idea was still definitely to kick long and try and win possession higher up the pitch but not necessarily to turn and go then to to win possession higher up at the pitch, but use that as an opportunity to slow the game down. For me, this felt like Chelsea be realizing that they had to conserve energy if they wanted to, you know, stay in the game and push in the last 15, 20 minutes, which felt like the game plan. Um, and I think we saw, obviously, in the first leg that after about 60, 65 minutes, Chelsea just looked knackered. I think Hayes knew that they had to get on the ball more, but they didn't want to invite the Barcelona press. That's why there were all these very stupid goal kicks, which were so like Sunday league. Um, I'm sure Johan Cruyff was like turning in his grave watching Anne Katrenberger get everyone to go to one side of the pitch to kick it long. Um, I do think conserving energy was important but do you think it was maybe a mistake of Chelsea not to sometimes turn and play the ball forwards rather than than playing it back given that actually they did only really create one chance yeah in the first half hmm, okay uh look I I know as as uh as the fan base goes uh it's it's usually like you want your team to play a proactive brand of football, but you're still just one nil down. Uh, and you know, if if you look at the first leg as well, it, it's it's such a little margin. If that Kerr 
to right and ball that right and managed to score if that was just marginally uh, if Kerr was just marginally onside it, it would this tie would have been level uh, and going into camp now you would be on level terms and still just looking for that one chance to go ahead so I think uh, what they did for the first 45 was all right I would have liked them to switch to uh, Yelena uh, Chankovic a little bit earlier or bring her on uh, and let her do a thing because following the 68 minute mark uh, and, you know Pernila Harder came on and uh, James came on but the thing is uh, in those 30 35 whatever minutes they got on the on the pitch it, they weren't able to like uh, the decision making was not great from them and that is where I think Chelsea ultimately fell a little bit short because if they had been a little bit more uh, effective in the final third, because Chelsea did create opportunities following that 16-minute mark. They were like, okay, now we can't be doing this consistent thing of trying to be compact, trying to be narrow and sit back and deny Barcelona space. We have to go and attack them as well. And they did that. They got a goal out of it. And they did push forward for it. Uh, I vividly remember that one chance where James just blasts the ball over where there's a better passing option on the left. So it is about these small decisions. You pass the ball onto onto the left, the ball comes in and, you know, maybe in the box something happens and you have a better opportunity. So the decision-making in the final 30 minutes by individual players was not the best, I think. And you needed some sort of a creative spark from that midfield position then uh, because now you are not just concerned with winning the ball or protecting uh, the back line or providing the screening presence or whatever. Now you need somebody to provide that creative spot because once you win the ball in the midfield that Chelsea were trying to do with uh, Erin Cuthbert, especially on the on the, on the the right-hand side, if you, if you look at that, Cuthbert was consistently managing to get a tackle in, get a ball in and regain possession. And the goal comes from from a similar way as well. They win the ball, they play it forward. Leopold's great ball. Kerr is making the outrun, excellent run again, uh, the curved run around the centre-back. And that is what you needed. That is what you needed somebody to be executing that Leopold's ball consistently behind the back line. And that is what was missing. And I think an earlier switch would have made a difference. Uh, I've mentioned this before as well, but... Uh, I wouldn't fault Chelsea's game plan a lot because it was sort of a blueprint about how you want to go about playing Barcelona. You have to pick your moments. And Chelsea did pick their moments for, for most parts. But, you know, you have to be effective then. You have to make them count. You have to make them stick in the back of the net. And if you don't do that, if you make some some poor choices in the final third, you are going to regret that. And that is what happened because. Ultimately, Pernilla Hada was not up to speed, let's say, because she's returning from a very long-term injury. So, expecting her to immediately ball out was a bit unfair as well. But you expect James to be, uh, you know, doing a little more, doing, making some sort of better decisions because I, I was not impressed with some of the decisions that she made there um, uh, in her time on the pitch. So, yeah, I think... I think an earlier switch to Chankovic might have helped, uh, definitely. Uh, I wouldn't fault a lot on, on the on the game plan there. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree in terms of the, the changes and and definitely in terms of Chelsea just not quite having that attacking edge that it feels very ironic. Like, you know, I feel like I've I've sat and had so many conversations where I'm like, oh, Chelsea had everything attacking, but unfortunately, like, they just couldn't defend for shit. And now I'm like... Why are we in this other world where the we're this way around now? Um, yeah, I think James. I again, I understand why she she came on. I understand why you want to throw her on, especially against the tired legs in terms of her kind carrying ability. But I think everyone knows that we've not seen the best version of Lauren James recently. Equally, Penella Harder, you want her to come on and be able to provide some moment of magic, but it wasn't quite quite there so I understand why she she turned to the, those options um yeah maybe the, the thing I think that would have been interesting would have been whether in the way that she took Perisay off even later to bring Canarid on whether it was possible to 
to keep Brighton on and maybe play Brighton as, as a wing back instead of Charles or something like that. Maybe that would have allowed. Um, I think Brighton was a, a player who I'd have liked to have seen stay on the pitch. Um, but obviously it felt like, you know, she had to come off to bring on Harder and James on. I just wonder if that was a different um a different way of, of going about that. But let's just quickly go back and talk about both the goals, which which obviously came very quick succession, Abdullah. Um the the goal that Chelsea conceded, I mean, I felt like this summed up the threat of Barcelona because when you think of Barcelona, you think about all these clever kind of passing triangles, quick like pass and move things. But the fact is, like, they will also just kill you in transition, which is what happened here. Uh, Yash has obviously talked talked briefly about the 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 touch from Mariona. It's a great run from Aitana and and then CGH is. She's not going to miss from there. I kind of wondered watching it back whether it was a mistake from AKB to come out as quickly as she did. But honestly, once you've got Carolina Graham Hansen in that position, I don't know if it, it matters what what your goalkeeper does. But I guess this kind of summed it up that you can play. I mean, at that moment, I felt like it. You know, you can play sixty great minutes against Barcelona, but if you switch off for even one minute, um, which is what we saw in the first leg as well, like they will punish you. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, when, when Barcelona, they just know how to sustain pressure and they don't show that they're under pressure, but they, they sustain, they sustain, they sustain. And they, they've got such amazing players in transition. And, you know, like, like you said at the end of the book, we were talking previously, it's without Alexia. Alexia is probably one of the best, if not the best, late midfield runners in any sort of transition game or other wise that I've ever seen like she's so good at identifying the space and Aitana has taken up that role really really well and the fact that they were the fact that they didn't panic it was one of those one of those chances that just just was came out of what they were what they were trying to build um they just went through great touch Mariana was was like I said I think I think class one of my favorite players and you know goes to Aitana the run from role form once once sorry uh, to CGH and once CGH gets in those positions more often than not, you're like, she's just, she's so good at picking the right ball or making the right decision that you have to be, um, you have to be on the money. You have to literally be so tight and get the right tackle in. Otherwise, even a half split second often, and, and she's away. And um, I thought there was nothing really much Chelsea could have done to, to prevent that goal. Once that counterattack came through, you, I, I don't know about you guys, I was like, that's a goal. That's just a typical Barcelona transition goal. It was so, so good. Like the minute Aitana was running, I was like, it's a goal. There's nothing you can do. And I mean, credit to Jess Carter for trying to get it off the line. I know people were complaining about that. Well, what was she, what was Jess Carter supposed to do? I mean, it just, the fact that she got even got a, a, something on the ball, I was surprised. So there is, there is that. Um, but no, Barcelona on transition is, is so, so good. And, and I think they're probably the best team that once they get into a transition like that, you pretty much know that 90% of there's a 90% chance that that is a goal. So yeah, I, I can't even, I can't even blame uh, uh, Chelsea. I mean, once they got into that position, like what are you supposed to do? I mean, if they had stopped it, I would have been, I would have been super impressed with Chelsea's defensive performance if, if uh, in that moment, if they had stopped that goal. Yeah. Well, I think it's also the players that, you get in those transitions. I think, you know, sometimes if it's like an Oshwala running through, you think there's a way, but you know, Aitana <laughs> and CGH, like that's it, man. That's it. No way. Um, yeah. I mean, but the immediate reaction from Chelsea was great to like get back in the game so quickly. Uh, Yash, this was like the one moment, I guess, where we kind of did see that, that ball in behind for Sam Kerr pay off the the maybe bit of luck that Chelsea got that even though her her first touch had to chest it down was was way too heavy that actually that's almost what allowed it to kind of have so much force when it rebounded out to to Wrighton um but a great like I mean personally I just thought it was a great moment like when Hansen scored Cam Nou was so loud like the noise was insane and then it was so silent like four minutes later um, which I personally found very satisfying. Um, but just just a word on writing as well, because I think sometimes it's easy to look at her as a player who does just the crosses into the box, you know, for, for Kerr to kind of head in. And, and she's got a lot of assists that season, this season in that way. But 
that's goals in this year's Champions League against Barcelona, against Lyon, and and a penalty against Real Madrid as well, um, with a little bit of help from Misa's head. Uh, but it's been a season, I think, for her where she's actually really showing how much more well-rounded her game is than than maybe sometimes people assume. Yeah, I mean, Brighton is one of my favorite players uh, before even she joined Chelsea. Uh, I've written about her, I've spoken about her. She she is she is golden guru. Like she can do anything because she used to be a striker. She used to be an attacking midfielder. Now she's playing out a winger. She has played a the wing back role and she has delivered in all those positions. So you know, blah blah blah. I don't care. Like she she is the best. She is the best. You know, she is the she she you see her progression in each of the season that she has played in Chelsea and you see a different part of her game come to the forefront you see her, you have seen we talk about her crossing a lot we talk about her chance creation from set pieces a lot but now she in in these two games she's playing centrally uh, you know partnering her playing off of her and you know doing all sorts of bits you would never i would have never imagined guru Wrighton playing as a wing back when she did for chelsea but she executed that perfectly so yeah, I think Guru is a is a great asset to have in the team. You can put her in any sort of role and she'll deliver the creative uh, output that you need. She'll deliver the goals. She has a great left foot. So, you know, getting the ball in the right areas, you have that threat from range as well with, with her left foot. I, I think Guru, Guru is a great player. <laughs> that is all I have to say about her. In, this, in these two ties as well, she was effective because in the first leg, uh, there was a moment again uh, where Kerr made a channel run, received the ball, put the ball in, and Guru had made the central run. So she she has a tactical now as well to understand what she needs to do in different positions when she's played in, in, in the different roles. And that makes uh, a whole lot of difference because that allows you to set up in a different ways because you have a player with the tactical and spatial understanding to you know occupy the right spaces and then have the technical caliber to pull off moments that you know not every player will be able to pull off because we there have been times where we have seen Guru pull off a perfect through ball for the run to Kerr or, or the run in behind as well. So you know what sort of uh quality you're getting on the ball with Guru. So yeah, I think she was uh she was one of the best players across both ties. Yeah, you can say not not a lot of not a lot on the ball. You got not to see a lot on the ball, but wherever there were moments, she was uh, she shone brightly. And then you have the goal as well. So yeah, all three goals scored by Norwegian. So yeah, like we were discussing before the pod started, it, it was a Norwegian talent feast. So yeah, count count Marin as well in, yeah. in, in that because over over the two legs that that was. A phenomenal performance from her, you know. Uh, she was rock solid in defense. I, I felt she did her role really well. And then in the second leg, in in a slightly different role, stepping out and covering the space as well. Like I think it it was a brilliant performance from all the Norwegians involved in this time. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, I guess on Guru as well, testament to. Chelsea and the way that Chelsea scout and the way that they develop players that that once again this is a player who's just a, a total all-rounder in terms of of where she can play and what she can be asked to do and I, I think it constantly amazes me how many players Chelsea have managed to recruit who both have that that ability and and also then kind of develop in into that even further and someone else I just want to touch on who I think kind of epitomizes that is is Erin Cuthbert. Um, she did have my personal highlight, well, second highlight after Guru's goal, where she had a fight with Jonathan and she was the same height as him. And I always knew Jonathan was small, but I didn't realise he was that small until I saw Erin Cuthbert uh, standing next to him. But Abdullah, Erin um, Cuthbert won more tackles, interceptions and duels than any other player on the pitch. Um there were some fantastic tackles. There was one moment where she just like fully took out Mariona whilst taking like the whole ball with her. And everyone at Camp Nou was like going mental. But I was like, it's like the cleanest tackle like you could see all day. Um, yeah, just talk to me about Erin, please. 
I don't know what else there is to say about Erin Casper other than she is just a legend. Love Erin Casper. I think, um, again, I love her in this midfield role. I just, I don't care what anybody says. This is this is the Erin Casper position, um, and I I really feel like she is every time it comes to a big tie or a big moment that you know we need to see from an Erin Casper, especially in midfield. She just gets better every time. Yeah, there might be the odd game where she's not fit. You know, the last few weeks we've seen that. And she does kind of just love to move forward when 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 she can. But to me now, I I I I've realized that actually she's become so much more intelligent playing this position. Because before, one of the complaints I, I would have is great player for midfield, but does she have the, the discipline to stay in that position and play it? And then you she she improved, she got there, and there were games where she would push forward maybe when she didn't need to push forward and then she but she would still be there and it was getting better. Now I've realized that you almost feel like when she does move forward and whether it's games that require to don't, it's very calculated. And like in this game, she didn't in the in these two legs, she didn't really make too many runs forward. She stayed in a defensive capacity, she stayed in a very more active capacity. And to me, that was the restraint to not have that tendency to push forward, even when there was space, I think she's just shown so much more growth and maturity in the position and in and in her in her play. Um, you know that that I think from a tactical perspective, I think she, that's that's so good. And let's not forget, she's still only twenty four years old. I mean, this is just ridiculous the amount of tactical evolution that we've seen from a player like this from the age of twenty one to twenty four. It's unbelievable, right? I'm 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 Todd seven year deal. Let's go! Come on, man! You're doing it for you're doing it for the ends of Fernandez's of the world. We need it on Aaron Cuthbert as well. Like, it's it's unbelievable. I think she's found her position, and the fact that she's found it at 24, being able to play as a wing back, a winger, an attacking midfielder, I think is amazing. And she's learned from all those positions. Um, I think probably Chelsea's best player across the two ties for me, and 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 really really good. Yeah, I think I think it was a great performance from her. Um, so I mean, we all kind of know what what happened from here. Chelsea did huff and they did puff, but they did not blow Barcelona's house down. Despite Barcelona, you know, really going in for some of the time wasting, which I did enjoy. I felt like we brought them down to our level, which is always good to see. Um, so yeah, ultimately, obviously, the game stayed one one. Barcelona did go through. On aggregate, we're going to take our second ad break here. And, and when we come back, we'll have a bit of a broader look over the two legs, over Chelsea's Champions League tie and sort of where the club goes from here. So obviously, I personally feel like we pushed Barcelona a lot closer than many, many other teams have done. I think even in games where Barcelona have have lost um i i feel like you know like the bayern one i i think we maybe still showed a level of performance especially over two legs um that that was potentially even more impressive but no one gives you trophies for looking okay against good teams uh, in semi-finals or competitions uh Abdullah, obviously that is frustrating you know you want to be in these in the finals, um, but equally Chelsea had an absolutely crazy run. In some ways, they were very, very lucky even to be playing this game. Um, what what do we take from from all of this from the the Champions League run? There's some been there's been some amazing moments. Um, there's not actually been too many actual crappy moments, uh, apart from Chelsea one PSG nil away in Paris that was really boring <laughs> which was still even a win so you can even pull a positive from there which is still a win I will say that obviously compared to last season last season was just a disaster in the Champions League right and the fact that in one season Chelsea have gone from getting out in a group with Juventus and Wolfsburg to navigating through PSG Real Madrid Lyon and Barcelona and the following season, I mean, you look at those runner games to get to a semi-final. I will say that's a stark improvement to be. I mean, there's nothing to hold your head down getting out in a semi-final to a Barcelona, right? I mean, it's if there's anybody you want to lose to, it's either one of the last two winners in a Leon or a Barcelona. But I really do think that if they had got knocked out in the last round, which they were like this close to getting knocked out by Leon, you would say 
fair enough. You lost to Leon second leg. Leon where it was slightly better side. They got the two goals. Blah 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 blah. But you could have still made the argument that it's a quarterfinal and Chelsea should be aspiring to get to a semi. And if you get knocked out there, then maybe, you know. So I think for me, the minimum Chelsea should always be going for. And I mean, they would never say this, but the bare minimum has got to be a semi-final. Every season, you've got to be bare minimum at a semi-final level. And the fact that Chelsea achieved that through probably the hardest run of all the teams that have been able to play in this Champions League, I think is fair play to them and say that, okay, you can take away from the fact that you played two of the last two winners. You beat one. You just about lost it in the second leg to the other one. you got to draw. You don't even lose that second leg, right? you got to draw away from home. So there are, from a... From a difficult perspective, I thought they went through it and they got to a semi-final, which I think is great. Um, they beat Lyon, fine. They beat Real Madrid, they beat PSG, and they drew Barcelona. So I think the fact that in these big, big games, they showed up to 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 whatever event they showed up in the big games, right? And I think that's the biggest things you can take away from from this from this run. And 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 kind of go from the yes, yes, I am calling Real Madrid a big team because they have caused problems to a lot of lot of the lot of other teams in the last couple. I mean, Barcelona stop flirting with Yash yes. Abdullah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's laughing every time I say the word Real Madrid in that sentence. So I thought I should tell him. I'm laughing it's because it's a constant reminder that we got knocked out from the group stage. <laughs> so that's why I'm trying to see. I'm trying to sort of. I, I'm I'm trying to butter the wound. It's fine. Um, no, so I think yeah, the, for me that's that's where that's where it's at. And then I'm 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 looking. Now it depends on how this squad changes for next season, for the worse or for the better. We don't know. We all we know that throwing in eight new players into a squad isn't going to be the answer. So I want to see how that change goes. But if we're going based on what we have now, there is a definitely an upward trajectory going into next season and being able to probably maybe deliver another final or, you know, let alone win it. Yeah, and I think, I, I do think it, it, it's positive. I guess the thing that's been interesting is the difference in level that Chelsea have shown in Champions League versus domestically. Maybe that shows as well that teams can only have a certain level of focus, you know, I, I think something that gets talked about around Barcelona is their dominance within Liga FA. And this isn't a comment necessarily on the quality of Liga FA. Barcelona are a really good team, but obviously it helps when you've basically got the league title sewn up as, I mean, I felt as it was kind of sewn up when they won the Clasico in November. Um, you know, it, it gives you a it gives you so much more mental space uh, in terms of where you focus your performances, and maybe Chelsea don't quite have the room to to be able to to spread themselves across across both those domestic and Champions League ones. Although I'm sure they'll hope now that they they can take enough from the Barcelona game to go and win the domestic double that that is still available. Um, but Yash Emma Hayes kind of said that maybe she felt like the the tie was lost in the first leg in hindsight is it easy to say that Chelsea say should have gone for it more then or do you think it was always just going to be the case that they needed to stay in the tie for as long as possible and really what they actually needed was was just that extra chance at Camp Nou I mean the tie was literally lost at home I mean yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but after the first leg uh if, if I remember correctly, the comments from MI were, uh, yeah, we are still in this tie. We, you know, we picked the moments. We have, uh, we are still in this tie, just one nil behind. So, yeah, definitely. But if you if you look at the margins there, that it, the only thing my mind goes back to is if that Kerran and Guru goal would have stood, we would be having a different conversation going into the second leg and talking about the second leg and the way both teams approach the second leg. So in in these ties, it's these small moments that can, you know, sometimes go in your favor and you you are in the Champions League final. And if if they don't go in your favor, you're out of it. So not to say that Barcelona were not the better team over the two legs, but Chelsea did make a case for themselves, especially after the performances, you know, going back in the Conte Cup final, if you look at how how that went down, it wasn't good. Uh, it wasn't good. And it looked like 
Chelsea were out of out of the depth tactically speaking at least like they they were out of ideas they were just resorting to one uh one technique that that was every team had that figured out and once you block that they looked like they did not have a plan b or a plan c but this performance over the two legs despite missing you know both their starting center backs despite having injuries to creative players like Kirby or not having harder available as well so the way they performed was pretty impressive uh yes i mean if you want to talk about where the tie was lost it was definitely lost at home uh, because you have to be at least a little more proactive than they were one can definitely make a case for that uh but i think the mindset there was we have to at least stay in the tie and as i say if if that margin little margin goes goes chelsea's way you're going into the second leg on a on a on level terms and then you can approach the game the same way and look for moments as well so matter of margins and the margins are really really small here barcelona yes definitely better side over the two legs but chelsea did did do enough i think if if certain things would have gone their way chelsea would have been in the champions league final and yeah i mean we would be having a a different sort of reaction to that quote unquote negative performance that we everyone has been raving about so yeah you know it could be a jose mourinho or it could be a conte like that's that's the difference sometimes you know jose mourinho pulls off pulls off a win with that performance jose is held as the best and conte doesn't manage that in in the knockout games and he is a failure in the knockout games so in, in knockout ties are very difficult to you know judge on on a purely result basis i think the process was right uh the result did not go in their favor so yeah positives to take from this and build upon it i think yeah i i totally agree and it is it is funny i feel like i've i've thought a lot about um Mourinho and Hayes and how much like these performances really felt very Mourinho-esque in terms of like how uh, Chelsea wanted to play but without maybe getting that like little moment of maybe some of the ag was missing maybe that was what Mourinho brings to like extra rattle a team I don't think Chelsea and Hayes quite are as quite as aggressive as uh, some of Mourinho's teams end up being Um, but yeah I definitely feel like the fact that that we can talk about fine margins is is kind of amazing because before this tie even before the even after the first leg like there was no way i would have thought we'd have been sat here being like well if you know one thing had gone chelsea's way we could be talking about a totally different result and um i also think obviously it was always going to be hard to play the away leg second and and maybe if you have an away leg um like this one or even you know the same kind of like the home one but you get to then go to be in front of your fans at home you find something extra um I think Chelsea almost needed the negative home leg because they needed to remember that Barcelona weren't going to just destroy them because that's what happened last time um you know and actually you saw how damaging any of that kind of like psychic stuff can be for teams I think for Barcelona against Lyon in the Champions League final you know teams freak out against teams that they've been battered by before um, and I guess Chelsea maybe the thing that's positive going forward is is I feel like in these two games Chelsea have have shown for themselves that they can compete with with Barcelona and therefore can compete with anyone in Europe because Barcelona are the best team in Europe um Abdullah, just like kind of one more question about Barcelona. Uh, I think the received wisdom has been traditionally that you shouldn't sit back against Barcelona, that you should kind of go at them, that you should press high, you should um, try and put their defence under pressure because that's the weakest point and kind of force them back in that manner. But have Chelsea kind of shown that that's not necessarily true, that maybe there is a version of events where you are able to to sit back and, and counterattack? Obviously, we've got literally the result in this game that makes it uh, obvious you can that it was a draw, even if over the two legs they lost. Um, do you think that will inform how other teams approach playing Barca? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think every season when we get into games like this where Barcelona do seem to be... See, 
be seen rattled or they lose a game or one off. I think a lot of teams come out and 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 they take that into into consideration. I I, I would I would like to think that last season when Wolfsburg caused Barcelona issues in that semi final, Leon took that blueprint, made it better, won the final. But they're pressing and they're off the ball work and and I think that's where really it started that you can sit back against Barcelona a little bit, but you can push to press them and then and win a game that way. I felt like going into this season, now the way Chelsea have played it, I definitely think that the structure and the the way MAH set up Chelsea from a defensive point of view, I think might be a, a a basis and a foundation for teams going into the rest of the season and probably next season um, to devise a plan around that to see maybe if that's the way Barcelona struggled, can we replicate something like that with our own twist in terms of an attacking flair? And I think every every time... Right now, like you said before, right? When a team comes in and does something different, that everyone starts getting a little bit uh, worried, and then they start having to find ways to slowly, slowly beat them. I just, I, I feel like now, you know, awesome Wolfsburg will look back. Whoever wins that, they're the next semi-final. We'll look back at the second leg and the, and, and the Chelsea game and go, okay, what did Chelsea do well? Right, they had a really good structure. Can we replicate that? But then add in our, our twist, and they'll look back at the Leon game and. Okay, how did Barcelona struggle over there? And I think once you have a bigger sample size of losses and moments of pressure, it then becomes easier for teams to look back at certain games and moments and go, okay, in this situation, Barcelona struggled here. In this situation, Barcelona struggled here. In this situation, Barcelona... But then you can also look at how they reacted. So then there's a lot of... There's a lot more room and there's a lot more footage for people teams to go and see what they do. And it's up to Barcelona now to kind of evolve even more. And I think that's the problem, right, for these teams that dominated for so long. Leon had the problem. When you dominate for so long and nobody challenges you, you almost, there's a small part of you that doesn't improve because you're like, I'm not getting challenged enough to be able to find that improvement. And I don't think that's Barcelona's case, but it will be up to them to try and find solutions to the problems that cause them. And if they can't, somebody will beat them. And if they don't, if they, if they do, then well, Barcelona are going to Barcelona and there's going to be, have to be that continuous evolution of trying to find a way. So, yeah, I think, um, I think it'll be interesting to see, I think, I think teams will take the way Chelsea's blueprint to an extent and try and use that for themselves. If their continuous evolution is to just buy Ada Hegerberg, then I think we are all fucks. But it has been <laughs> nice while it lasted. All right. Please Abd- no. <laughs> Abdullah and Yash, thank you very much for joining me today. Just going to take a quick look at everything else that's going on. As Abdullah said, Arsenal play Wolfsburg on Monday in the other semi-final to see who will meet Barcelona in the final. 2-2 on aggregate in that one at the moment. Um... Very annoying game last night in the WSL, which I did miss because I was flying home. But Manchester United got a 94th minute winner to beat Aston Villa 3-2. So that puts United on 47 points with 19 games played. City still have to play this weekend. They've got Reading tomorrow. Leicester are playing Liverpool at the moment. Spurs playing Brighton. Um, So we are on 16 games played with 40 points. So... If we win everything, we will still win the league, but we do have to win everything. And that all kicks off back in WSL action. It feels like it's been a million years with Liverpool. I can tell you live right now, Liverpool are losing 2-0 to Leicester after 25 minutes. So um, they will almost certainly draw 1-1 with us at Kings Meadow. Then it's Everton on Sunday, Leicester next Wednesday, United in the FA Cup final, West Ham away, Arsenal at home, Reading away, and hopefully we'll have two trophies at the end of all of that. Um, we will obviously be here with you throughout all those games Um, we'll be back on Wednesday after that Liverpool game but until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying bye